And today we have Aaron Sparling of Hippies and Cowboys. Or Cowboys and Hippies. Hippies and Cowboys. Hippies and Cowboys. Cowboys and Indians. I said it right. It's Um, always something like that, man. You're you're in the right realm. So you guys got a new single coming out. Or it's already out now. What is it called? Well, we've got two singles out currently. We've got 20 to Life, which was our first single. And uh, we put a single out in July called Baby Won't You Stop. And we've got a new single coming out September 2nd. Uh, it's called Hard Times, which uh, our buddy Nolan Brown pretty much wrote it and brought it to the band, and, and we put the Hippies and Cowboys twist on it, you know, and, and it's probably one of our better songs. So it's going to be a good uh, good release. So he wrote the song and he brought it to you? What was that process like? Well, you know, we were trying to find songs for our first record, and um, boy, this is almost two years ago. Nolan had kept telling us about this song. He was like, this song would be perfect for you guys. I wrote this forever ago, and, you know, I don't know if I'm ever going to do anything with it, but you guys would kill it. So um, we kind of demoed it out, and it it worked out to be a really kick-ass song, you know. And So uh, we went to the studio, recorded it, and made it our own, man. Where'd you record it at? Down in Muscle Shoals. That's where we recorded the whole record, at... uh, uh, East Avalon Studios down in Muscle Shoals, Alabama. Is that one of like the uh, historical studios down there? Yeah, it's one of them. There's quite a few down that way. Uh, Fame and Muscle Shoals Sound are obviously the two big ones there, but um, East Avalon people like George Jones and you know all kinds of people have been to East Avalon to record, including Hippies and Cowboys, which I think is pretty damn cool myself but <laughs> have you seen the the muscle shoals documentary yeah that they it's released? pretty cool man yeah yeah it's really neat have you seen it danny i have not it's pretty cool i mean they just really go through the history of it the recording studios the players all that shit um you should definitely give it a watch i think it used to be on netflix i don't know if it still is i, think I definitely is, will i was just uh talking about it the other day with somebody I think it was uh, Scott. We were talking about that documentary. It's super cool, man, because we're down there quite often, you know. So to to watch that documentary, then go down there and kind of see everything they're talking about. We've done all the tours and, you know, and been in all the cool studios. And it's just something else. There's something in the air down there that keeps pulling us back every time, you know, because living in Nashville, you've got access to any studio you want, you know, but... I think we've only done like two sessions here and I've been here for four years, you know. I just love recording down that way and uh, our buddy John Gifford, he was the head of, uh, the head engineer at Fame for 13 years and then uh, I met him back in I think 2019 when I went down to Fame and cut a couple songs and ever since then we worked on every piece of music that I've done together, so. Do you like recording in Nashville? Yeah, I mean, we cut all of our demos here, like uh, Nolan's place. He has a pretty nice little studio that you can get great quality demos out of. So we go and cut our demos wherever we can here in Nashville, and then we'll go and um, cut them down to Muscle Shoals for the the master track, you know. But uh, Laughing Heart Studios here... um, is a good one that we use just to cut demos or do overdubs and Nolan's place. And we all kind of have rigs at home too, that we work on our own stuff, you know? Yeah. I've been lucky. I've gotten to record at, uh, at black 
Blackbird, the tracking room, um, Dark Horse, a couple different places, like nice places. And I like it, but what is interesting to me about Nashville, everybody is so anti-bleed here. And I really like bleed a lot. Yeah. Anti-what? Anti-bleed. Anti-bleed. Yeah, so picking up like... Uh, the the oh, fucking yeah everything has got to be isolated. I yeah, saying oh yeah. Well, you know, there's just so many different ways of, uh, of doing it. There's you know, there's no really right or wrong way. It's it's a creative thing, and if you're a creative, it's like whatever you feel is best, you know. But nobody really likes to explore sounds anymore. I think it's all like pretty uh by the book. Every session, mostly, I, you know, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm not, but I think a lot of people just figure out a way and then do it that way and never change it up, which yeah. is like, you know, this is a creative process. Don't be afraid to change things up and try all kinds of different shit till you find something cool with every new project should be, you know, a little different in my opinion. So. I agree. I think what it is with Nashville, <clears throat> excuse me, is that... um you know, it's an industry town, and it's all about making money, which is not a bad thing. You know, the business yeah. is based out of here. That's great. But because of that, they're used to doing high volume. And I think, w- like, the whole thing with isolating everything, it, it allows you to f- fix any fuck-ups or mistakes after yeah. the fact, and it makes it easier to do overdubs. And just from a business perspective, it makes sense to True record that. things that way. Yeah, well, from a creative perspective coming from us we we cut all of our tracks live you know fuck yeah we all just rehearse the shit out of it and then go into the studio and play it just like we would in a concert setting you know in the studio and you know we really do minimal overdubs we just kind of if we have to do some organ or you know vocals of course you know but the the bed tracks, the rhythm tracks, are all pretty much just one take, or you know, however many takes it takes to get it perfect. You know, there's no comping, you know, or like trying to fix shit on the computer. No, Fuck I don't your like computer that shit. shit. Yeah, you know, I agree, dude. I don't need your fucking computer shit. Turn the fucking amp up, rock the fuck out, and you know, do it well without having to fucking comp the shit on the computer because you can't play it right. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. So, is there uh, like a cutoff point that you have if you can't get a good take? It's like after five or six takes, you're like, we're not feeling it. No, we do at least 100 takes. Oh, <laughs> shit. Okay. I mean, you know, not literally, you know, but we we just we have a determined attitude and we work till we get it right. You know, we're not going to take any less than perfect. You know, to be honest with you, it's like this is our art and our craft that has our name on it, and this is our product. You know, it's like selling fucking spoiled eggs at the supermarket. You know, you don't want to give out some shitty product, you know, with your name on it. Yeah. And promote that shit. You know, we work and we get it right, or we don't fucking do it at all, pretty much. You know. How often do you guys play shows now? <sighs> Fuck, every night of the week seems like. Well, our schedule's getting more consistent. We usually play every Tuesday night at Kid Rocks on the main stage at at 10 p.m., and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday at Kid Rocks, 10 p.m., and then, uh, excuse me, and then uh, every Monday, my band plays at Nudie's from 6 to 10 p.m., 
but uh, I don't really do that gig anymore. I gave it to my buddy Leo because a man needs a break on the vocals every once in a while, you know? Oh, yeah. You singing get... every night, singing ACDC and Aerosmith and all that fucking shit. Shit you have to wail on? Yeah, every night of the week for four hours straight. It's like you, eventually it takes toll on you and you got to take a break, you know? It's just not good to fuck your voice up like that, you know? Because even the the real rock stars and, like, fucking uh, bigger acts, they only do, like, a 90-minute show, you know? So we're up there for 40 or four hours every night, you know? Almost yeah. Like 40 hours. Well, it wears on the body playing music. You, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's, it's fun. It's a fun job. But there is an element to where it's pseudo blue collar almost like that's the mentality I've always taken in it. Uh, just growing up, I, I've always thought music is you have to hustle to do it. I was lucky to have mentors when I was young who were working musicians. Yeah, My dad's a blue collar guy. You know, he was in the Navy for 20 years when he retired from the Navy. He worked at this place called Bath Ironworks and built battleships for the Navy. <laughs> Damn. So it's like a real because I grew up in Maine, small town. Not all that um, unsimilar to, to Kokomo. Like that, that's the reason that I really got to know the reveal. Mm-hmm. The artist formerly known as No Name Blues. Good old Kokomo squad. Yeah. <laughs> because they came from a similar place to me and we hit it off immediately. They just had a working class mentality. Right. And that's what I've really noticed about a lot of Kokomo musicians is they work. That's the way is uh, pretty much the way of life back home. I mean, you know, you fucking go to school, you get out of school. You go to work, start a family, and and that's about it. Retire in the same fucking town you were born in, and get a job at Chrysler, yeah, or get Subaru. Yeah, get a job at Chrysler. I mean, yeah, or Subaru. And other than that, there's just no really, like, uh, unless you want to be a fucking doctor or a lawyer or some shit like that. For the working class person, there's really like nothing better than Chrysler or Subaru or those two factories. Or you're just kind of fucked as a car salesman or a, a market boy or, you know, whatever, or fast food. So there's not a lot of opportunity in, in small towns like that, which is most small towns in America. You know? Well, it's a life that's uh, disappearing more and more in America, too. You know, it's like you look back on our parents' generation or the generation even before that, and there was guaranteed you could get a, a union gig, work there for 20 years, retire... With a full pension. Full pension, get a watch, all of that. Um, But it's something that's really disappeared as manufacturing jobs have gone abroad, other places. Yeah. Either to Mexico. That's where they do a lot of car parts now. Yeah, oh, absolutely, man. Um, Or to China or wherever. Everything just gets outsourced. And if you look through history, especially in regards to music, look at Detroit. In the, the 50s and 60s. when that was the, booming. Exactly. And that was amazing. Think of all the great music that came out of there. Between mm. Motown, um, Iggy and the Stooges. Uh, Bob Seger. Bob Seger. Kid Rock. That's Nugent, where... Um, Glenn Fry from the Eagles. Yes, I was just about to say that. <laughs> yeah, man. All kinds of good shit. Detroit. We play in Detroit pretty often at the Tin Roof up there. Oh, there's one up there too. Oh, yeah, it's fun, man. They have them all over the country. They have there. one on Mars yet? Yeah, actually they're opening that this next month. Yeah. We we plan on playing. 
I figured so. I mean, they're, uh, I feel like a lot of the bars that are downtown Nashville, they have other locations. Yeah, really just the Tin Roof brand, to be honest. Tootsie's does too. They've got some in Panama and shit like that. But really, Tin Roof uh, started in Nashville and expanded all around the country. You know, so they, the home base is here in Nashville. But yeah, they've got them all over the place California, New York, Detroit. You know, and so forth, so on. What do you think the appeal is of Broadway to a a person who's coming here to visit? Oh, it's amazing. They love it. You know, as a tourist coming here, I remember coming here before I lived here, and I was, like, fucking so amazed. You know, it's, it's amazing. It really is an amazing place, and there's nothing else like it in the world, really. I'd like to say even... Uh, Name me one town where you can come and see uh, the option to see 300-plus bands at one time, three shifts a day, sometimes four shifts a day. So there's probably uh, like two to 300 bands at one time playing downtown from 10 to 2 in the morning, 2 to 6, 6 to 10, and 10 to close. What are the so differences? Think about all those musicians cycling. I mean, that's just incredible and there's nothing yeah. like it yeah, anywhere else in the world so as a, a tourist coming here i think it's probably blows their fucking mind you know i remember i was blown away and i fell in love with the place coming here you know have you met uh steve smith is that his name the guy who owns i've met steve yeah how how was that interaction uh you know he's steve smith <laughs> he's a successful guy um my boss, so, you know, what can I really say? Yeah. <laughs> um, so playing down on Broadway, what are the differences between all the different shifts? Like, what have you noticed as far as the mood, the vibe? How does it change from shift to shift? Well, the morning shift, of course, you got your, your Coke drinkers, your, your coffee guys, and, you know, the older people, touristy, older generation that likes to get up and go to museums and just come down to the bars just to see I'm not really there to drink and you know what I'm saying it's more of a a guided tour if you will for them but then by around lunchtime two to six that shift starts to pick up a little bit six to ten is actually a really good money-making shift because the uh the older people like 40s 50s that area that's when they start to party and then they're pretty much done by 10, 10 30, you know, because they're all fucked up and drinking all they day. They want to go to bed. Yeah, so then the young college crowd comes out and just fucks shit up from 10 to 2 30 in the morning, pretty much all over Broadway. That's pretty much how it goes. The six to tens are pretty great, laid back, and then, you know, you make great money, and then you come down to the 10 to 2 shift, 10 to close, and all the young college punks and shit come out and. I like to piss everybody off. How does the uh, the music change throughout the day? Like, are there songs that you won't play certain times of the day, or you're like, this is what we have to play? I mean, nobody's making you play anything, you know, so uh, I think it's just kind of varies from band to band and whatever they choose to do. I mean, me personally, if I was playing a 10 in the morning shift, I wouldn't be playing paradise city by guns and roses and you know aerosmith and def leopard and all that shit i'd probably be playing some more subtle like eagles and tom petty 
kind of shit. I mean, personally, because I just can't imagine being in a bar at 10 in the morning and just that fucking shit pounding your head out, you know? Some yeah. People might like it. Maybe that's what they want. But. Unless they drop a, a fucking uh, dollar in the tip bucket, they slide you a 20, and then they request, you yeah, shook me well, all night long. It's a different story, yeah. you know? I'll play whatever for any kind of money, but, I mean... I'd play it even without the money. It's just personally, in my own opinion, I mean, I think that that would be more of a laid-back show, you know, at 10 in the morning right. to 2 in the afternoon. 2 to 6, it starts to actually pick up quite a bit. You know, afternoon, and everybody's had lunch and shit. Got I mean, a couple like, of drinks in drink, them. Yeah. Drink a couple beers. And happy like, hour. I, I just... And honestly, I can't say from experience because I've never played a 10 in the morning shift in my life. Actually, I played one, an acoustic shift, and it was the worst fucking thing in my life. And I made like 50 bucks, and then I had to pay 20 bucks to park. And I was like, fuck this. (laughs) Never doing that shit again. Damn. Yeah, well, it's... You drive... Driving down Broadway... Like the other night I was driving down and someone was playing Jesus of Suburbia by Green Day, which wow. is kind of a deep cut, That's you know, like 13 minute song. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I just thought that was funny. And they were definitely more of like a, a pop punk band, but there's so many different varieties on Broadway. You know, there's all the standards you got to do, mm-hmm. but each band, they have a, a flavor of the kind of music that they they play that they can specialize in. That's what's so special about it's a melting pot, man. Everybody comes together and there's just so many different styles of music, different cultures, different, you know, kinds of people. And and I just really enjoy it. There's a lot of shitty music down there, of course, but you know, there's a lot of good music too. Great musicians, good people, you know, motivated, hard working. Everybody here is chasing the same thing. It's a rat race to the end. You know, whoever can get there first is the winner. And, you know, I respect that hustle, and, and that's what I strive to, to do is work hard and, you know, let my actions speak louder than my words and just carve my own path and do it, you know. Is there a song that you always get excited that you get to play if it's something you're like playing every night. I was gonna ask the same question. <laughs> I was gonna well, I was gonna ask a favorite and least favorite song on Broadway uh-uh. if we can modify it. Man, you know, so many people I think just would come on and say "Sweet Home Alabama" for their worst song, but. I think it's a good fucking song. It's a great song. It's a damn good song. The problem is nobody can play it right. You know, I think that's that's a lot of the problem. But honestly, I enjoy the shit out of performing and playing, even if it's covers. Just to be up there entertaining and and playing for a crowd is fucking awesome. You know, and and, uh, I appreciate every second of it. Sometimes it gets boring and I get burnt out, yeah, but... At the end of the day, I really appreciate it, you know, and, and do I get tired of singing some songs? Sometimes, maybe, but not very often, honestly. I think it, the passion that I have for it helps me see past that, and it's yeah. like a job that I got to get done, so I don't really think, like, fuck, I hate this, I don't want to do it, because that kind of attitude, the people can read that. If you're thinking that in your head, like, you're going to give a shitty performance, you know? I try and give my all to every song, whether I like it or not, you know? Like, a song that I've never heard or that I 
might not like personally, I'll perform the shit out of that fucking song just like I would any song that I love. So to answer your question, I guess I don't really have a favorite or a least favorite. But if I had to put a mark on my favorite, I guess it'd probably be Dream On by Aerosmith. It's Classic. an inspirational, it's an awesome cool song. song, you know. There's got to be one song that if someone requests, someone on stage just says, fuck no. What is it? There's got to be something. Oh, well, of course, you got your Freebird people out there that are constantly screaming Freebird. But we play the shit out of that song, too. And we can get 100 bucks out of it easy, you know. Uh, I'd have to say (laughs) just the stupid requests that people like Britney Spears and, and shit like that. It's like Machine Gun Kelly, which... I really like Machine Gun Kelly, but we're a fucking rock and roll band. Like, we're not playing my ex's best girlfriend or whatever the fuck, you know, yeah. it is. You know what? And then people ask us, Demi Lovato, Britney Spears, all that kind of shit. We're like, what the fuck's wrong with you? That's <laughs> not what you guys do. No, right. we don't fuck with, yeah. you know, we're, we're a rock and roll band through and through. We can do some country stuff, and, and we can do a lot of different things for money, but it's like... That just makes no sense, the Britney Spears and all. It's like, I, don't, I wouldn't even know where to start on that because I don't think I've ever heard one of her songs. So Really? Yeah, I don't think so. Like, I'd probably recognize it if you yeah. sang one. <laughs> but. Yeah, she's got some hits. Her biggest one is Hit Me Baby One More well, Time. Oh, yeah, I've heard that one. Yeah. She, I'm just probably just stoned. <laughs> Um, so playing down on Broadway, your first shift down there, were you nervous as shit? Like, how did it go? <laughs> my, sh- uh, my first shift down there was actually with Dustin McKee and I played drums. You played drums? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this girl nice. named Cricket. It was like a last minute thing. And, uh, Dustin was at my house and he's like, dude, this girl just hit me up needing a bass or a drummer for the show on Broadway. Do you think you can do it? And I'm like. Fuck it, let's give it a shot. <laughs> I'm not. I mean, I like to play drums, and I can. But yeah, at that point, I was it four hours. Yeah, it was four hours. Oh, I'd oh, never fuck. done. I'd yeah. never done a gig That's in four I mean, hours. Like, but that I takes like, balls. Fuck. Yeah. I was like, fuck, man. I'd never. I wanted to play Broadway, and I was like, I just moved to town, so I was like, fuck it, let's do it. And Dustin came, and we pretty much just switched out the whole time. Like he would play a few, I would play a few, and. uh would he switch, like, would you switch over to bass or anything like that? I did play bass on a few songs, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, no, man, I thought the gig went really great, and we never got a call back, so <laughs> must have not gotten so great. <laughs> yeah, but you kept going, though. It was a good time, man. <laughs> you yeah. tried. First That's many. what's most important. Well, it was, like, four years ago, and I just came to town, and, you know, I've grown so much since then, honestly. Did you know you always wanted to move here? No. I thought I was going to move to Los Angeles, and then I came here. I've been to Los Angeles a bunch of times, and I loved it, you know. And, but then I came here, and it was just something else, and something you can't find in L.A., you know, or anywhere. Like I said, just a really cool thing. I think this is pretty much the new hub for music anyways, you know. I agree. Well, especially for, for rock music, because... Black Keys are here, Jack White is here, mm-hmm. KG Elephant. All the biggest names in, in rock are based... Kings of Leon. Kings of Leon, Paramore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the list just uh, keeps uh, keeps fucking going on. 
for sure. Yeah, uh, he has a new record coming out. Who? Uh, Angus. Or what, what is his name? The one, um, oh, Marcus King. Marcus King. Oh, yeah. Like Angus. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he does. Uh, I've been seeing ads yeah. for it. Yeah. It's, uh, he just put it out, I think, this new EP. It's already out. Oh, cool. It's a rock and roll EP. It Have you listened to any like, of it? Yeah, I listened to the whole thing. It sounds uh, really 70s rock, you know, like CCR, nice. 60s, you know, 70s. I think it's really cool, man. I really like uh, some of his earlier stuff, like Confessions record. Super cool. I love when he pops up around Nashville. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. He's definitely around. Mm-hmm. I've seen him in, at uh, Bourbon Street Blues Bar. He just hopped on for like a couple songs one time. It was really? with Tristan, actually. Yeah, yeah I know. I we saw were both that. hanging out there. Yeah. Tristan's seen him like five times. Yeah. He, he jumped strange. on stage one time with Tedeschi Trucks out at uh, Hop Springs in Murfreesboro, too. Oh, shit. Yeah. Man, is that kick place ass. cool? It's really cool, I've yeah. Been like, I've had, like, five people at, at my shows, like, give me cards. Like, we work at Hop Springs, and we want you to come down. I'm like, what the fuck is this place? And I never give them a call because it's in Murphy's. Yeah, I'm like, I mean, I don't know how much it pays or anything, but uh, I know the Reveals played down there a couple times. Yeah. So, I mean, they probably... They book bigger uh, acts there, too. I heard it was, like, yeah. a big, bigger stage, and they put on festivals and shit there. Well, I think they do both. So, they've got, like... It's kind of set up like, have you guys ever been to the woods at Fontenelle, like where it's outside, kind of like amphitheater, but mm-hmm. like in a field? It's kind of set up like that for the big, and I think they build a stage down at the bottom of the field for like bigger shows, but then they also have like a small stage inside. Right. Hmm. So. Yeah, I just, uh, so many people's giving me cards from that and. Fuck, I just never follow up on it. But I keep hearing about it, so I might have to give them a call. Yeah, it was cool. Seeing Tedeschi Trucks out there was awesome. Yeah, I didn't know they were doing, like, that big of acts out there. Yeah. Like, yeah, they're do doing... Why me to come and play? They're doing big <laughs> stuff out there. I know um, Brooks Nielsen, who was the, the singer of the Growlers, she's going to be playing out there in um, September. And oh, cool. And Growlers is one of my favorite bands of all time. Nice. And um, mm-hmm. he's got like a, he's on a solo tour right now. But yeah, when I saw he had a date in Tennessee and it was Murfreesboro, I was like Murfreesboro. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're like where the fuck's that at? <laughs> yeah, I just thought it was funny to Tucker Theater or something. <laughs> yeah, I just didn't know what it was. I was like, I don't know how he's gonna do a venue out there because I didn't think there was really anything out there. I mean, it's developing. It's continuing to grow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of people are moving there. It's cheaper living. But I think I've only been there like one time, and I don't even remember why. Oh, we played at the Borough. Oh, the Borough Bar and Grill. That's right across that? the street from Were campus. I don't think I. Was I play- or, well, I've, I saw you with Daylight Sinners, but I don't think there. Yeah, we we did a show there with uh, Kenny Olson from Kid Rock, guitar oh. player guy. Oh, and, cool. Nice. Uh, yeah. That's why I went there. That's a dive little it's bar. It's a straight dive. Yeah, man. it's not bad. Don't you have to, like, bring your own PA there? It yeah. used to be that way at yeah. least. Yeah, it's, it's a cool place. I yeah. Mean, if you want a real rock and roll experience. Oh, they don't give it, a fuck in no. there. Yeah, you can trash that bar pretty it's much. Cool. I've seen, like, full straight-up, like, death metal bands in that bar. They don't give a fuck. <laughs> what is it comparable to in Nashville? It's like spring water. It's more more like the size of spring water. It's a little more like the size of spring water kind of is trashy and rock and roll is. Yeah. 
spring water. I love spring water. Sleazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely those vibes, but it's right next to campus. So actually, like, when school's in session, sometimes that bar's, like, fucking packed out. I've... I remember, like, when I was going to school there, it was... We would go... Because it's literally right across the street. You just walk over there, and a lot of people will go in there and see live shows. Because it's one of the few places that you can go that's, like, walking distance from campus that you right. can go see live music at. So you can go there and drink and not have to drive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so down on Broadway, like, what is the, the craziest thing you've seen while you've been on stage? <laughs> A lot of shit, man. Uh, just the other day, I was uh, just standing there right before the show looking out the window and uh, I saw this homeless dude just laying on his back, like, literally right outside of Kid Rock's, just no shirt on, like, his pants halfway down on the ground, he's just fucking jacking off. <laughs> I'm not even kidding you. Just sitting there beating his fucking meat right there in front of everybody, and then he just takes a piss, just laying on his side, you know, like, pissing everywhere and just, like, rolling in his own piss. What song were you playing when you when you looked out there? Do you remember? Oh no, it was before the show started. I was oh shit, kind of stretching my legs, you know, and like looking out the window because there's a huge, like, giant fucking window and it opens like that, and there's a rail that you can just kind of stand there and look over. And I saw that, and I actually have it on Snapchat. If you guys want to see it, (laughs) the homeless guy jerking off. Yeah, it's fucking hilarious, man. I was like, is this really happening right now? Well, it's crazy everything that goes on down there. You know, like I I was down there with a friend and we went to go see the reveal play recently. And um, there was a guy who just like kind of brushed past us and he was like cocaine and ecstasy, cocaine and ecstasy. Oh, yeah, that happens. Yeah, because he was offering to sell us shit. (laughs) Yeah, Mexico, dude. Yeah, Yeah. it's the Wild West down there. Those are not the guys you want to get that shit from. No, you don't want to get that shit from them. You'll end up in a fucking hospital bed doing that shit. Yeah, I feel like that's the the fentanyl cocaine. Yeah, right. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, I wouldn't suggest ever buying drugs from some random Broadway dude. No. Um, But, yeah, crazy shit. The other night we were playing and this fucking girl wore, like, a swimsuit top in there. She's fucking hammered. Had giant tits, you know, like, just barely covering her nipples. And she was just up there, like, on her chair, swinging her head around, like, dancing, and her boobs were just out. And security kept telling her to put her fucking top back on. She just, like, kept flipping them off. And, like, they're like, fuck it. She don't care. We don't care. Fuck it. So Free she, the nipple, dude. <laughs> yeah, dude. She's just rocking out. Tits flying through the air. Gotta love Broadway for that kind of shit. crazy shit you see every night is something else, man. From homeless people jacking off to chicks with big boobs letting their tits hang out. That's not the only time. We saw that at Nudie's, too, like a year ago. Pretty crazy shit, man. Yeah. <laughs> to yeah. say the least. <laughs> well, like, Kid Rocks, it really seems like the way they have it designed, it's like an arena rock show, like a mini version of an arena oh, rock show. straight up, man. For sure. It's super cool. Honestly, it's the best stage in town, you know? It, it, it feels like you're at a real show, like you paid money to get in this motherfucker, you know? And it's that kind of experience. And we like to provide a service, which you know, makes it feel like you are at a fucking real rock show, because you are, you know. 
We don't we don't fake it. We don't imitate it. You're at a real fucking rock show, and you're lucky enough to get in for free. And I think uh, maybe a year or less from now, you'll have to buy tickets to see us, man. So that'll be uh that's the goal, you know, to get off of Broadway and 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 sell our own shows and you know all that. Well, a lot of people get trapped. I feel like down on Broadway. You know, it's it's like every kind of vice you can imagine. You're making money. There's women down there. So a lot of people, I feel like they get stuck down there. How do you keep yourself sharp enough and prevent yourself from doing that? I think uh, really it just uh, boils down to not being a weak-minded person and keeping your eye on the prize and and setting goals, you know, and... If you're a hard worker and you're determined, you're going to do whatever it takes to be successful. So, you know, you won't let little things like getting caught on Broadway, you know, become a trap. You use it as a stepping stone in that in that sense, you know, rather than thinking of it like I'm getting stuck here. You're thinking about getting the fuck out of here, you know, and um, a lot of people, yeah, just don't want to do anything but Broadway so and that's fine you know uh, but um, for me personally and the rest of our band you know I don't think that the majority of the people want to just be on Broadway their whole life but there are people that are very happy with just being on Broadway and, and being able to be in town every night and work it like a nine to five you know and it's a good lucrative career honestly I mean if you can do it and you're talented enough to play you know two shifts three to five days a week shit you can make damn good money and you know work less the time and not be stuck in an office you know so it's a cool thing but you know I think the dream for us is to keep writing our own music and tour and and all that stuff I have a question if you don't mind um as someone who's in a band that is like moderately successful on Broadway and gets like the main stage gigs. What do you think separates the bands or like, are there anything, is there anything that you could like recommend to bands who are maybe trying to do what you're trying to do? Um, who, you know, maybe get the, the early day slots and want the nighttime slots or getting the, you know, the first floor or the third floor gigs and want the main stage gigs. What do you think separates or like, what, what do you think helped you get to the point where you're, you know, full-time musician down on Broadway? Patience and persistence, you know, uh, really just working hard. And there's a few different things I can say. First off, you're an entertainer, you know, you're a musician, but the main thing that you got to remember is you're here to entertain these people, you know, you're not here to just be a great musician, because anybody can stand up there and be the best fucking musician in the world, but if you're not entertaining them, then you're just boring, and nobody gives a shit. It's a show. You know, so you got to, you got to know how to read the room, and figure out what they like and what they don't like. And, and I feel like that's a talent all on its own that not a lot of people can do. And that's what sets other people apart from, you know, you know, sets people apart. Because uh, it's, it's a tough thing to know the exact right songs to play 
you know, and uh, a lot of people just can't figure that out, I feel like. And if I had to say anything, like give any wisdom, I think it'd be just learn how to read the room and the audience and to just be a true entertainer, you know, put your heart and soul into it and imagine that you're standing out there and you paid money to see this show do what you would expect to see, you know? Hell yeah. Uh, that's a good little tip I can drop there. Cool, cool. Is there ever a song that when you guys play it, you know it's just going to light up the fucking room? Don't Stop Believing by Journeyman. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah. Fucks it up every time. You sing that, right? Yeah. Crazy yeah. Train is a good one. <laughs> uh, oh, Mr. Brightside for sure. That really? That fucks him up, yeah. Oh, I believe it. All the panties start getting soaked, <laughs> you know. And the dudes go crazy jumping in the fucking air. I don't know what the hype is about that song, man. I really don't. I mean, it's a great song, but I'm like, wow. There's just nothing like it. It doesn't matter, like, when you play it in the set. The moment they hear that first downbeat on the guitar, like, oh, fuck, it's all over. Everybody rushes to the front of the stage. It's like a millennial anthem, I feel like. It is. It really is, man. (laughs) I love the It's like creep. It's like, that's like white people anthem. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, 100%. We still get that requested quite a bit, man. Hell yeah. It's not a bad song. I'm a creep. (laughs) Yeah, I saw the Killers live when I lived out in Colorado because I lived out there for a year. And they were fucking phenomenal. Oh, yeah. They're a good live band. I saw the Killers and Foster the People, or Cage the... uh, Yeah, it was Foster the People. And uh, it was such an incredible show. Both of them were fucking awesome. I remember it started storming really fucking bad. So they moved, like, all the people in the lawn under the pavilion. And then the storm passed and the Killers came back out and it was so crowded up there. We ended up going from the lawn all the way like to the front row of the Killers show. They opened with Mr. Brightside and it was fucking... <laughs> you should have seen that. It's like, you think it gets nuts on Broadway when some cover <laughs> band's playing Mr. Brightside by the Killers? Wait till you're at their show and they open with that. The fucking intensity. I don't think I've ever seen a crowd go so nuts in my life. And I've been to a lot of concerts, you know, but... Man, <laughs> that was wild, something else. It's a really awesome it. experience. It's like the power of music is so surreal, you know, and, and what it can do to people is just pure magic and amazing. Well, it's the the universal language. You know, I, I heard a, a great interview with David Lee Roth, and he was talking about writing Van Halen songs and writing the lyrics, and he would put inflections like jump, where it's like someone might not speak English, but they're able to get the, the feeling behind it. You know what wow. I mean? Which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, smart, man. I never heard that. Yeah, and he also talked about how, like, coming up in L.A., how they would play in black neighborhoods, Latino neighborhoods, and kind of a testament to what you were saying. He's like, understand what your, your audience is, what they want to hear. Yeah. So depending on where they were, they might play, like, Lowrider or tequila or they might totally. might play um james brown some shit like that yeah you just gotta understand what's at hand and be able to like you were saying read the room that's what i've always been best at uh you know i play a lot of different instruments but i'm an entertainer at heart man even from growing up in school i was always a class clown you know entertaining making everybody laugh and you know, and I still do that to this day. I'm like, fuck, I've just always been that way. And uh, 
that's where my heart lays, just really entertaining people, putting smiles on their faces, you know, and knowing that I'm trying to change people's lives, you know, for the better and hoping that our music does that, so. Did you grow up in a musical family? Uh, somewhat, you know. I think everybody in my family on my dad's side had the talent and the, and the musical ability, but nobody really ever excelled in it like me. Uh, they all sing and play guitar and shit, but nobody really cared that much about it, you know, like I did. I've been playing since I was like six years old, so did almost you, 20 years now. Did you grow up with Tristan? Did you guys go to like the same yeah. high school? I've known him since fourth grade. We, oh, we started our, our first band together ever. I think it was like fourth or fifth grade. It's called the Schemers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the yeah. TNA Schemers. <laughs> I love because, it. Because uh, Tanner, uh, Tanner Cole, a buddy of ours, he was in it too. And there was TNA Schemers, Tristan, Norfleet, and Aaron Schemers. <laughs> what a dumb name. It's so hilarious. That was like fourth grade. I remember uh, we all had music class together. And so we would get up and perform in front of like the rest of the class and shit. It's pretty neat. What so, did you play? Like, what just, songs? We'd play, like, stupid songs, like Sweet Home Alabama, you know, and Folsom Prison by Johnny Cash and shit like that. Oh, yeah. Elvis songs, you know. Prepping you for Broadway. Yeah, yeah. really. And I didn't, I didn't even realize it at that point, you know. But I've always been a huge fan of Elvis and Johnny Cash and, you know, from a young age. And then when... uh. I was probably like 12 or 13. I started discovering the Beatles and rock and roll and changed my life forever. Um, did you see the, the Elvis movie? I did. What did you think? I haven't seen it yet. I don't know, man. I was kind of mixed feelings about it, like with the hip-hop and shit they put in there. And, like, just didn't make sense to me. It's like you're making a fucking movie about the greatest rock and roll entertainer that ever lived. And, like, rap music wasn't a fucking thing back then, you know? Like, the way it... Who was it? Cardi B or somebody is fucking singing Hound Dog in the back, did a remix to Hound Dog. I'm just like... The timeline shit just, like, didn't make sense to me. And I hate it because it's like... They only did that to appeal to the newer, younger generation. That's the only reason they put rap music in there. Yeah. And it's like, you know... I just think it kind of fucks up the story a little bit. It's like right. make it more like realistic, authentic, authentic yeah. about like how it really was back then. You know, it paints a picture of something that's false for these people, you know, that coming from music, like an Elvis fan from such a young age, you know, it's like, I just think there's a lot of whack shit in it. But other than that, I'm not, it sounds like I hated the movie, but I, I didn't hate it. I just thought there was some, Whack ass things in there like that, you know. Yeah, well, the the way I kind of look at it, I I agree that it's kind of weird that they put all these rap songs in an Elvis movie, but also it probably made a bunch of new Elvis fans who wouldn't have necessarily gone out to seek out his music. So That's it's true. It's keeping him alive. Well, I understand that, but he's dead. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, he but, is dead. Uh, you so know, they say. I know exactly what you're saying. I and I understand that too. I mean, that's just the way music works. I mean, it it develops, you know, with with rap music and everything. It's definitely the popular genre of our generation. And uh, 
I understand what they were doing behind it, you know, and I get it, and I'm not super hating on it. Just personally, I just kind of thought it was, you know, kind of whack. Like, the Queen biopic was fucking amazing, spot on. Really yeah. cool. Bohemian Rhapsody. Great movie. And I'm I like, haven't seen that either. I love Queen, but they don't touch Elvis, in my opinion. I'm like, the fact that their movie was so much better. Right. And Elvis's was just, I thought it was kind of cheesy, to be honest with you, man. Like, I don't know, just, ah, you know. I, I heard the, Elvis movie. <laughs> the guy who played Elvis, he was the best part of the movie. That's what everyone said. They said his performance he, was really good. Yeah, I mean, he probably fucking went through crazy training and, had to pretty much put himself in that role. He did a really good job. I agree with that. It really wasn't the actors or the performances. It was just kind of the the production things, I think, that I just kind of disagreed with, in my opinion. That's That director, Boz Lerman, he's kind of um, famous for that. Yeah, That's what right. he always does with his movies. Like, he did The Great Gatsby with Leonardo DiCaprio, and that was another one that was like that. And he did uh, Romeo and Juliet with... Um, well, that with Leonardo DiCaprio when he was super young, he was right. probably like nineteen or twenty when that mm-hmm. came out. So he he's like very uh, stylized, right. you know what I mean? Like visually, um, and just incorporating, basically doing mashup elements of different cultures and different timelines. Right. But I can definitely see like a lot of people who probably went to go see that movie. They wanted a, a straight up Elvis movie. Yeah, I mean, you know, just. Just something that's like takes you back in time, you know. Like that's what I think is is a great piece of art when they can make you feel like you're back in that moment or that era, you know. And I think it would have been with the right soundtrack, but I think shit like that just fucks it up and puts you back in today's generation. That's like they want that to be the Elvis of today, you know what I'm saying? And it paints a picture of maybe what he. He would be like today, in my opinion, you know, with the soundtrack behind it. But, uh, you know, I just think it could have been a lot more authentic, in my opinion, with a lot more like real Elvis songs that weren't remastered and remixed with all kind of shit, you know. Uh, Have you ever been to Graceland? I have, man. What did you think? It's awesome. Yeah. Super cool, man. Have you guys been? I have not. I went when I was a kid. Yeah. So I was a big Elvis fan myself. He was one of my first favorite artists. And then Lilo and Stitch came out, and that uh-huh. whole soundtrack is Elvis. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I really like that. But, yeah, I went to Graceland when I was a kid. And, um, I mean, it's just really cool to fucking see it, to see his planes, to see his yeah. cars, mm-hmm. and the just TV the way he lived. little den that he shot out. They still have the TV. Yeah, the TV. <laughs> yeah. Pretty cool. Um, I went during COVID and it was really weird. Like it kind of, it was a great experience and and I had a great time, but you had to have your mask on the whole time. And, you know, they were like super strict and like watching over you, like have your mask, like just looped down over your nose. Like, sir, pull your mask up. You know, the mask police people. Yeah. Yeah. It was a definitely crazy time. So what's the deal with monkeypox? Is this an actual thing now? Are we all going to die from it? <laughs> I've just been seeing that on Snapchat. Someone actually showed me like a picture of what it looked like for the first time the other day, and it looks pretty fucking scary. It's like it's nickel. Gross. It's like nickel size fucking boils boils on Ugh. your skin type <laughs> shit. I didn't. I mean, maybe I'm just stupid and it didn't like register in my brain, but I was like. 
it didn't register that it was actually going to be like boils. But yeah, I mean, it's it makes sense because it's pox. Isn't it always you know? something? Yeah. There's always some kind of disease or plague or some shit that's out there to kill us. Yeah. Well, there's a, an election coming up in a couple of months. It's the, mi- the midterms. <laughs> yeah. It's true. So, you know, I, I mean, time. another plague. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like that's a, a big, um, a big motivation, you know, like, I, I don't know what the fucking, I used to be a conspiracy theorist, but I'm really not anymore because I realized nobody has any fucking idea what's going on. And they're just grasping at power and grasping at straws. Uh, and you can see their place so clearly now. It's just like with the, with the, the fucking FBI raiding Mar-a-Lago. Yeah. You know? I and heard about that. What's crazy is you talk to different people. And in America now and in the world in general, there's several different realities happening. You know what I mean? Like you might experience it different from me, different from Danny. Um, but there's people who will straight up fucking disown you if you disagree with them now. Yeah, in politics? Yeah. Yeah, that's just a no-no in the entertainment business. You got to keep that shit to yourself, you know? I used to be bad about, like, uh, involving myself in those conversations on social media, you know, and posting my side of things. And it just, I felt like it just fucked me more than it did help me i'm like okay so i'd sit and look i'm like okay well i stroked my ego that feels nice but i just lost like four fans because of this and it's like i'd rather just keep my own views to myself and then uh be be adaptable to every kind of person whatever your politics are whatever your race just be you know well i think that's also you staying true to like what you're goal and purpose is is you're really trying to play music you're not i mean you have your thoughts and your beliefs but you're not trying to become a musician because you want to like tell people white like right from wrong you're not an activist you're not an activist i mean maybe you i mean i'm not saying that you shouldn't be i'm just saying that like you know probably you're a musician first before anything absolutely man and i just think like that's my goal. I don't want to offend anybody, you know, and and fans and followers are important to me. That's what makes uh that's what makes us successful, you know, is the people that enjoy us and love us. And I want people to take us for whatever their mind imagines we are, you know, leave a little bit of mystery, you know, in that sense where it's like they can't hate us for anything cuz we haven't said nothing that they shouldn't like about us, you know. So Right. I learned my lesson in that regard. We all got to learn our lessons the hard way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've been there. So times that make the good ones better, man. Absolutely. Um, The new song, what's it called? Hard times. Hard times. (laughs) That was actually a quote from from our new single coming out, Hard Times. Perfect. Perfect transition. September 2nd, man. It's going to be a good one. Nice. Um, Where can people find you at? Everywhere. We've got Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, SoundCloud, YouTube, uh, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, OnlyFans, Tinder, everything. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Really, but uh, our handle is uh, at the Hippies and Cowboys Band. Easy. It's the handle for everything. And cool. you can also go to our website, hippiesandcowboysband.com. Check Danny, you got anything? 
Uh, I have a show, an Eat Sleep Rock show coming up on September 25th at the Cobra. And Blue Willow and others are on that bill. Nice. And how can people reach out to you if they need their carpets cleaned? <laughs> Nashville Carpet Cleaning TN.com. There we go. And where can people find you at? How can they find Eat Sleep Rock? And- uh, Eat Sleep Rock Nashville on Instagram and on Facebook. And our website is esrnashville.com. Uh, awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Were you going to say something else? Yeah, don't forget to uh, go to YouTube, check out our new music video we just put out, too. It's a, a music video to our first single, 20 to Life, and super kick-ass, man. And come see you guys on Broadway. What nights yeah, again? come see us Tuesday nights at Kid Rocks on the main floor at 10 p.m., and then uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday at Kid Rocks, 10 p.m. Come check us out. And check out our schedule because we got all kinds of original shows coming up throughout nashville and other spots and you guys so. just got new merch too right we did we got t-shirts koozies shot glasses air fresheners um some keychains stickers and they can get that by reaching out to yeah you just hit us up on any platform you know and we'll send it ship it whatever we got to do Hell yeah. but most importantly come out to our show and buy it at the show absolutely that's what we would prefer <laughs> But yeah, thanks guys for having me, man. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Here is uh, Hard Times. See you next week. Sacrifice